For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good evening, everyone. My name is Douglas Floyd. I am the Temple Director and President of the Board of Directors at Ancient Dragons and Gate. Uh, I want to thank Taigen for giving me the opportunity to speak, but um, just so you know, if any of you would prefer to give a Dharma talk tonight, I'm perfectly happy to step aside. Um, no. <laughs> you can't get out of it that easy. All right, all right. Um, um, I picked uh, Fukan Zazengif as the chant for tonight, although it's kind of long, because it is the chapter of Dogen's work, Shomogenzo, that I read the most. It always has something to say to me. And in particular, that phrase we're talking about Zazen is the gate of joyful ease. Sometimes I can agree with that. Other times, it's uh, my reaction is kind of, oh, really? Um, but that is true. Um, I've been thinking lately about Zazen as the gate of joyful ease. And the uh, frustrations or difficulties people have with their zazen from time to time. So I wanted to give more of an informal talk. I won't speak in the first person all of the time, but certainly um, I think my experience with zazen over the years is going to resonate with some of you. Um, You know, our practice of Zazen is based on the idea that we are inherently awakened, we are inherently enlightened. And that being so, even in our ordinary life, from time to time, we will have moments of awakening, which we just suddenly step out of this whirl of judging and thinking and feeling that clouds our engagement with the world. And our practice of Zazen is really um, taking advantage of moments like that, the gaps in the thinking, and allowing ourselves to rest in those gaps, being awake and aware to this world around us, stepping outside of our self-preoccupation and our inward-looking way of thinking, just to be here. You know, Our awakened mind is so accessible that um, Suzuki Roshi says at one point in my beginner's mind that the mind we have when we take the the position, proper posture for Zazen is the awakened mind, is the the realization of practice enlightenment. And And the instructions for the posture are pretty straightforward. Everyone who's been through Zazen instruction is pretty familiar with it. It's a very short list of things that's involved in doing Zazen. You know, uh, sit up straight, keep your back straight, rotate your hips forward slightly so that 
your body is supported by your spine and you're able to breathe comfortably from your abdomen. Keep your sternum lifted up. Uh, think of a thread pulling from the back of your head or think of your head as a helium balloon that's slightly tugging toward the ceiling. Find a point of balance in your sitting and keep your eyes half open, looking toward the ground somewhat and don't move. Don't move. <laughs> if you do that, Suzuki Roshi would say, you have the mind of Zazen right there. Um, and yet, um, sometimes people sort of go astray. It seems hard to believe when it, things are that simple that, um, that anyone could get confused, but, but they do. And I think that, um, I think that uh, there's a koan story that's very short that I think speaks briefly to why that's the case. And it's the story of, of the great Zen teacher, Jajo, when he was still a young monk, not a Zen master. And he was speaking with his teacher, Nanchuan. And he asked Nanchuan, uh, what is the Buddha way? And Nanchuan said, uh, uh, ordinary mind is the Buddha way. And by that, he's not saying that the mind we have when we're walking around with the whirring, whirling stream of thoughts and we're distracted and caught up and clinging to our thinking and feeling. He's talking about the mind, the awareness that exists at all times in our experience, um, the awareness of our environment, our body, our minds, that's always there no matter what's going underlying, even, even that stream of thoughts that that we're caught up in. And it even includes that stream of thoughts. So there's the environment, our body, our mind, including those thoughts. So Nantuan answers, ordinary mind is the way. And uh, Jojo says, well, uh, how do I attain it? And Nantuan says, well, if you try to attain it, uh, it will recede. You're, you're turning away from it. And Jojo says, well, how will, I know, how will I know when I've attained it and, uh, if I don't try for it, to attain it? And Nantuan says, it's, it's not a matter of knowing or not knowing. Knowing that you've attained ordinary mind is delusion. And not knowing that you've attained ordinary mind is dullness, uh, ignorance, um, obliviousness. So I think there are, there are two points there. One is that um, this idea that we're led astray when we're trying to attain awakened mind, when we're trying to pursue it. You know, when we have our Zazen instruction, we're told after you take this proper posture, that's essentially, that's all it takes your mind is going to keep thinking. Just let the thoughts come and go. Um, leave the thoughts alone. They're just part of the scenery of what's going on right now. Dogen refers to it as non-thinking because you're not intentionally engaged in thinking. Thoughts are coming up are being pre coming up from your storehouse consciousness, your, your subconscious mind. 
The other thing I think is true is that Jojo is talking about uh, attaining awakened mind as if it were were some specific experience, something really fixed. And um, as if it were some sort of state of calm and few thoughts or, uh, I don't know, serenity or happiness, something along those lines. And that's not the case. Um, our awakened mind isn't anything fixed. And in addition, aside from treating it as, as something fixed and that you would repeat over and over again, having the same experience, having the same realization, something like that. Um, setting up this idea uh, it, that there is uh, some state out there that's different from from your experience of sitting right here and now, just living right here and now, that you're going to pursue actually pulls you away from your sitting and being aware in this moment, wholeheartedly sitting and, and participating in this moment because you've set up this dichotomy of thought that here I am right now in this situation, I'm trying to realize this other state uh, experience out there. At that point, you're limited, your thinking is, has involved you in a shadow world. It's language. It's not the awakened live experience of being here in this moment. And I think that the, those two uh, aspects, those two problems raised in the koan are something people run into frequently, sometimes pretty soon after they've begun zazen. You know, um, when people have first learned to do zazen, they sit, um, the thoughts come and go, come and go, and just letting them come and go so that in the awareness, when the student isn't really, um, it is relaxed and calming down. There's no, the student is not paying special attention to them, just letting them go, not interfering with the thinking. The thoughts um, lose their force. There's nothing supporting them. There's no energy being fed in by attention. Or, and they go away and you feel relaxation, it's pretty cathartic. And that can go on for quite a while. People enjoying that. And it's going, wow, I'm enjoying this clarity of mind. I'm enjoying this, uh, this calmness. But I think what happens frequently, and this isn't just at the beginning of Sasan, but this can happen all during your practice life. Um, in those situations when your mind has calmed down and nothing is going on, your subconscious mind can fill that space up uh, again with new thoughts that can be uh, take different forms. It can be a whole slew of thoughts, a fire hose of thinking. It can be very powerful and disagreeable thoughts of boredom or anxiety or anger. Um, and that, that when that happens, I think people get confused. They, um, they start thinking, well, how do I recover that, um, 
that original state of serenity and concentration, relaxation that I had. You know, there's a there's a great poem um, by the third Chinese ancestor of Zen, uh, Sun San, who wrote a poem called um, "Trusting in Heart Mind." Uh, it's very old. It's one of the. It's a wonderful poem, and, and I suggest you read it. And what he has to say about the Buddha way and practicing Zazen is that the Buddha way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. But make the smallest distinction, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. Um, the way is perfect like vast space where nothing is lacking and nothing is in excess. Indeed, it is due to our choosing to accept or reject that we do not see the true nature of things. Live neither in the entanglements of outer things nor in inner feelings of emptiness. Be serene in the oneness of things. And such erroneous views will disappear by themselves. And he goes on to say, if you try to use activity, if you try to use your mind to bring about this state of calm and passivity and clarity, it only stirs up more thinking. And that's exactly... You know, that's exactly uh, what I was talking about before. Our practice is to let the thoughts go. If the thoughts are coming up and we find them uncomfortable, to attempt to manipulate them, to compare and say, well, wait, this is very uncomfortable. This is a state of mind that's different from that other one. I want to go back. I want that other state of mind. You've actually compounded the problem. You've intensified the problem. After all, and given more energy to these, to this stream of thoughts and this state that you find yourself in there. Um, there's not um, there's not a magic answer, or there is a magic answer, and that is to continue to do zazen, to sit with the thinking, even if it's unpleasant, overwhelming, confusing thinking, just sit with the thinking as part of your environment. Let the thoughts come and go. Return to non-thinking. Don't interfere with the thinking. Um, Leave the thinking alone. And generally speaking, within a fairly short period of time, since you have not introduced new energy into the system by focusing on the thoughts, trying to control the thoughts, trying to suppress them, trying to change them, they will dissolve and you will return to the ordinary thinking of thoughts coming up spontaneously and much more manageable. Doing that can be difficult. It can be challenging. And so the two most uh, important aspects of dealing with this are um, perseverance and patience. By persevering, coming back to the practice of, of not turning away, not hiding, not trying to fix your zazen, just sitting with the thinking, you come back to Zazen, you come back to your ordinary awakened mind, 
and you realize the awakened mind in your sitting. And patience is required because obviously you have to learn to face that discomfort, that disappointment even. Um, that patience is something we can learn. We can learn to, to some extent to get used to sitting and facing discomfort. But it's also an expression of our awakened mind where we step back from our clinging mind that's trying to attain some pleasurable experience just to rest in our awareness of sitting in this moment. So uh, I don't know if any one of you has gone through any of this experience. If you have, congratulations on continuing to sit Zazen. If you haven't, I suspect that sometime this is going to happen to you. And I encourage you to practice perseverance and patience to get through to the other side. I'm going to leave it at that to see if anyone has anything they want to talk about. Thank you. I have a small question. Is that Nadia? Yes. Yes, please. Um, I'm currently in a skilled nursing facility for physical rehab, and there really isn't a quiet place. Do you have any suggestions for... Um, like what I should do to let people know to just leave me alone so I can meditate Um, (laughs) and just like, you know, back off and not, not approach me while I'm doing my meditation. You know, I think just being straightforward about it is the best thing you can do. And the good thing about where we are these days is that it seems like everybody in the world is, is, practicing some sort of meditation. So uh, at some points of my life, telling someone you wanted to practice meditation, please leave me in peace, would have sounded very weird and kind of woo-woo to them. But nowadays I think people are, are used to that idea. I think, uh, I think that's something that you could arrange. That's very true. Maybe some kind of sign on my chair saying, hey, she's meditating. I don't know. <laughs> well, that couldn't hurt. Sure. Yeah. Diane, you're on mute. Thank you for that. Yeah. Ashley, since you work with people who are uh, in various situations, do you have any suggestions? Oh, uh, I mean, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how I do it is, I mean, I kind of just, just uh, block out um, some time when I want to do it. And I just, I just have to kind of set that boundary um, to where I say, Hey, I have this going on. Um, You know, can you just kind of leave me be, you know, until I'm done. And when I'm done, I'll come out and I can re-engage with you you know, and do whatever we need to do or whatever the situation calls for. Um, but, you know, if if I kind of set that down as, as a boundary that I have and that this is something that is important to me, um, then, then people are pretty understanding. Um, 
And as for a quiet space, I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's like an office you could go to or I don't want to say a closet. <laughs> I don't know if there's. I actually um, asked about a closet, um, but they said um, yeah. during the pandemic, no. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking about your clients, though, the people you work with. If you have situations where you might work with, the, you know, your your clients, how they, how you might advise them. Maybe that's not relevant. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it would just be about finding a um Sometimes you have to kind of make your own space. Um, and it, it might, I don't know if it would be a good idea to maybe find a, a group even that you could, that you could meditate with. You know, we don't really have that here. But like I, I offer to take my clients to to meditation with me. So none of them have taken me up on it yet, but, um, but I just I just provide that opportunity for them, you know, to to help with whatever they need, and you know, and if flash when they're ready, then then we'll do it. So sorry, that wasn't very helpful. <laughs> I tend to Actually, find, that's quite helpful. Yeah, I I um, tend to find that noise isn't so much the issue unless it's some sort of very unusual noise. It's, yeah, it's the engagement that's an issue. Yeah, people, lots of traffic, people walking around and people speaking to you. is Exactly. So trying to find some place that's not public, even if it's an alcove somewhere or a couch in the restroom. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I could go in the shower room when there's nobody taking a shower or something. Uh, Sounds less than ideal. Yeah, I know, but... They won't. They won't do groups because of the pandemic. They won't do. Let us go in like the quiet rooms because of the pandemic. To the sanitary, uh, everything's because of the pandemic. And you know, if if I could, if this weren't a lockdown facility, I'd just go across the streets to botanical gardens and go there. But we're in a lockdown facility right now. Well, putting up a sign, like you said, might be the best thing. Yeah, know. like a wet floor sign, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Meditating, do not walk. <laughs> right. Do not engage. Yeah. Oh. I want to thank you, Douglas. It's obvious you've been been turning this wheel for a long time. It's wonderful for you to share your experience with us. And I think your point about um, everyday mind, ordinary mind, I think is a very, very important, important thing to emphasize. You still get caught up thinking about, I want to be special, or why aren't I special, or why 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 am I why why is the world treating me this way or why won't the world treat me that way or and just to know that just who we are, the way we are, the ordinary mind is is a space space of great liberation and freedom. Or simply why do I not belong? Sorry to interrupt. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's yeah. Yeah, whether you think you belong or don't belong, it's, it's, they're both they're both a problem because you you, talk, you obviously do belong because you're there, and you're there you're there totally there with the whole universe. So it's only you're thinking about belonging or not belonging or being special or not being special or somehow not being not just being there ordinary every day there, just breathing is is something that we. We need to emphasize or to keep in mind. But the, the teaching is quite often, which I always had a great deal of difficulty with, is to be a white bird of the snow or a black bird of the night. Um, <clears throat> um, that, but that actually is, from a Buddhist point of view, a state of a state to be sought after. Other comments or questions or responses for Douglas, please, everyone feel free. Doug, did you have something? Wow, I'm, I'm about to write that down. Um, a blackbird in the night and a white bird in the snow. I'm just, woo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was awesome. <laughs> it's not original. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay. Um, Where does it come from? Oh, I, it's 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 um, it's in certain places. It's in the air everywhere. <laughs> okay. It's that's it, this night is like especially helpful for me i'm uh i think i've voiced kind of being in this space a little lately and uh i'm uh i'm really basking in it i want to listen a lot (laughs) i'm trying to i i really appreciate you all thank you you know it seems to me that What frequently happens to people when they run into problems with their zazen is that they think that they're doing it wrong because all these thoughts, this powerful stream of thoughts or stream of powerful thoughts breaks through. Um, And that's not the case. Thoughts are not the problem. The problem is uh, engaging the thoughts, trying to stop the thoughts, trying to shape the thoughts, trying to have certain thoughts which covers up the awakened mind that we have when we're not intentionally doing anything. I mean, in our Zazen, we sit, we don't move, we don't intentionally do anything except to correct our posture, to check our breath, to count our breath. But we keep settling into this moment, which is already here. We're already part of it. So we keep coming back to that over and over and over again. And your mind does it on its own, no matter how distracted you become. And uh, you will come back. There will be a gap in the thinking. You will return to sitting in this moment. And the thoughts will no longer be overwhelming you and, and controlling your mind. So you can't do it wrong. 
Other comments or questions, please. I just want to say thank you to Douglas and to everyone. Um, it's nice to have a Sangha to turn to again. Um, I haven't had a Sangha to turn to in almost a year and a half now. So it's nice to be back. Where are you joining us from, Nadja? Um, I'm actually in Northbrook okay. right now. Um, but I want to return to Chicago after rehab. Okay. Well, please come again. Uh, Shimina, is that, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. You're uh, coming. Can you hear me? Are you coming to us from Japan, um, I believe. Yes, yes. I'm sorry I'm not turning on my camera because I'm in my kitchen. So <laughs> Everything is a mess. <laughs> so, yes. I actually read your book, The Bodhisattva Archetypes, many years ago. And um, I, we, with my family, I just watched a documentary of Muhammad Ali. And I remember that he was in the book, so I pull up the book again, which um, you should look at it. It's full of notes and and <laughs> post-its and, you know. And, and so that book helped me a lot when we were making a ceramic amphitheater with my husband for so many years, 16 years actually. And... And so that's how I came to this website, this meditation and Sazen. And so I thought of, of just joining and see what you're doing and, and um, giving myself a little bit of time to have this, this time with Sazen and people that practice Sazen in other parts of the world because I've done it a little bit here in Japan in a temple. And mm. yeah. In Japan here. I live in Aichi Prefecture, which is between Tokyo and Osaka, very close to Nagoya City. Yes. Yes, and I live oh. in a Yeah. Very uh, how lucky. Do you, how do you say your first name? I, I don't want to mispronounce it. Uh, no, no problem. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit hard to say, but it's Jimena. You can call okay. me Jimena. Okay. Jimena. Jimena, yes. Thank you. you know, an X because it's an old Spanish name. And in in old Spanish, we didn't used to have a J for. Now the J sounds like he or ha or who in Spanish. Oh, yeah, old of course. Spanish. Yeah, it's a name. So, anyways, so. Hablo español. Um, yo comprendo. Oh, okay, bien, great. So, <laughs> anyway, so uh, I I understand when you don't have to. Have the space or the silence to do meditation at little children and to do meditation when they were little. Um, yet, I think maybe if you don't uh, focus so much on the time that you can do it, uh, maybe you have in mind a certain amount of length that you want to be sitting for. And I would suggest if you make it shorter, it might be uh, an interesting practice. I'm not as a Zen practitioner, like for years or anything like that, I just know that um, many things can take our attention. And sometimes we feel that we just want to have that half an hour for ourselves and we can't. And so instead, maybe we can find creative ways to do what we, what we can do with the time and the resources and the environment that we have. So that will be my, my take on it. 
Th- thank you, Jimena. Yes. Thank you. Part of part of um, part of our practice. Uh, so we, we're not. Uh, our group is not like a monastic residential group. It, well, even before the pandemic, uh, we yeah. practice in the city. So um, or wherever we are. So part of zazen is to, uh, and this is part of what Douglas was saying too, is that to be wherever we are, and to just uh, find our way of being present wherever. We are in whatever circumstances we are. So, yeah, thank you for that, Jimena. Yeah, thank you very much. Definitely. Thank you so much. That really, that really spoke to me, Jimena. I believe Amina has her hand up. My, my pleasure. Yes, thank you. Thank you. No, I just thought of unmuting myself so that you don't hear the sounds here, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amina, so Amina, we have a Jimena and, a, and an Amina. Here at the same. Yes, um, I wouldn't mind if you call me Imina. It's totally fine if it's easier for you to call no, me but, like that. But there's another person here named Amina who's Imina. Uh, ah, Imina okay. is an artist, and Amina is a writer. So, uh, ah, Amina. okay. Hi, Amina. Hi. <laughs> uh, thank you, Doug, for the talk. Um, it was it was wonderful, and um, I'm I'm going to be thinking. I think about that. What's between knowing and unknowing? That that has stuck with me from your talk. Um, but I also appreciated the chant and, and just um, just this talk about practice because, you know, as I've mentioned, I, I feel like I'm kind of finding my way back to my practice. I mean, it's not that I haven't been meditating at all or, or sitting, um, but I've kind of let go of forms. Um, and so it's just, it, for me, it's nice to revisit these things. And, um, and now you know, now we're in our houses or we're, or other place, you know, wherever we are. And um, just having to think about, you know, like uh, the first night I joined you, I kind of faced the, my laptop. And then the next time I'm like, oh, I want to like reproduce looking at the wall, you know, and, and just sort of figuring out how to, how to be, you know, with these forms or, or sitting, you know, in this, in this other way, not together in the group, you know, at a temple or, Oh, that's true. If I face the wall and I tell people if I'm facing the wall not to engage with me, that would probably work, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of, yeah, if if I tell them, hey, facing the wall means don't engage. Mm-hmm. I think that's that, a good that, tip. And then you have a, you have a sign behind you that says, I'm meditating or I'm <laughs> not yeah. Speaker, yeah. the wall. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. That really, you know, returning to form, that really makes a difference. So just to repeat an announcement, uh, the form for our Zoom Zendo room to try to mimic the form in our old Zendo that is no longer active is uh, when, you're, when, you're face, when, you are, when your face is present, when you're, when you're visible, on the Zoom space to please not face the, the, the screen unless you are a teacher or the host or the speaker for the night, uh, then uh, you can face the screen. But otherwise, please face, uh, and that's like in the Zendo, otherwise, please face to the side or, uh, or away from the cam- camera, away from the screen. So that's just to, to uh, the form that we're doing now. And when you first appear, 
to bow to this one. So that's the form we're doing now in our Zoom sendo. So, um, so uh, Douglas, do you have any other responses or does anybody else have, who hasn't spoken yet have questions or comments for Douglas? No, I'm happy to continue speaking with anyone who has an observation or a question. I'm sorry, I'm taking up so much of your time. Um, what do you suggest with walking meditation satsang? Um, do you suggest that we continue doing our walking meditation, or do you think that it's not as important as the zazen? I think it's very helpful, and if you've you're going to, especially if you're going to sit multiple periods of zazen and doing the walking meditation between periods is very helpful. It's essentially just standing and walking in zazen. Um, walking so close, so slowly that it really duplicates the experience on the cushion. Right. Um, so, yeah, I probably would end up being do- doing that as well, just walking around the edge of the room. That will look kind of funny to everybody, but oh well. <laughs> Does it really matter? Wait. Wait. Yeah, I would, I would just like to thank you for the um, refresher on fundamentals. Um, as with anything, it's good to return to the fundamentals every so often. Um, and just, it reminds, it, it made me think that just like you're supposed to, when you get caught up in your thoughts in Zazen, just refer, return to the present moment. It's also easy, maybe for me more than some other people, to get caught up in um theory or uh, other parts of practice. Um, and so it's good to, to bring myself back to Zazen the way that in Zazen you bring your mind back to the moment. Um, so thank you for the, the refresher on the fundamentals. All, always good to have. Yeah, it's, um, I guess as time goes on, it just becomes clearer and clearer that Zazen is not a thinking exercise at all. Um, so, for some yeah, of us, I would like, uh, <laughs> have to. Go ahead, I would Maria. also have to say right. thank you, right. thank you, Douglas. Um, I don't know. I don't. You know, I'm not actually going to say that. I'm going to go on a completely different path. Um, so I, I appreciate the application of returning to the present moment in Zazen. But something that I'm kind of having difficulty with right now is actually applying these things when I'm not on a cushion. Um, it's much easier to apply them when I'm sitting down. Much easier. 
but it's like when I'm out and about with clients and I'm feeling really anxious or overwhelmed or stressed or whatever the situation may be. Um, that's the nature of social work, you know, but it's really the application of these things of like returning to the present moment and breathing and counting my breathing and, you know, doing all those things that, that I really feel like is helping and can continue to help in the future. Um, because I don't know, it, it seems so much more difficult to remember to apply these things when I'm not sitting down. You know, it's a lot easier to get caught up in my thoughts and, you know, what if this happens or what if that happens or can I do this or whatever the situation may be. It seems like sometimes my brain is more like a runaway train, you know, when I'm, say, working. Um, so I don't know. So it's, I feel like this is definitely relevant to to both off the cushion and on the cushion as well. So something to think about maybe. I agree with you. And Paula's had some suggestions about creating forms that you can use during the day to remind you that you're to bring you back to your body in this moment. Um, I don't have so many forms, but I focus a lot on sitting upright, standing upright, keeping my head up, breathing from the abdomen all during the day. And that, that helps. But, you know, the interesting thing is that when you remember to do that, you've already stepped out of the thinking mind. So it helps you stay there, remind you to be there. Mike, yes. Um, uh, also, thank you for your, your talk, Douglas. It's good to um, be reminded of that. Um, Ashley, to your point as well, I, I too also have a mind that doesn't quit uh, at all. <laughs> Most of the days my anxiety is, is running constantly. Um, and yeah, like something I, I struggle as well with um, trying to bring that exercise back when I'm not on the cushion. Part of what helps me um, when I, when I can get there, one is, is to uh, take a very intentional breath because I, it's like kind of mirroring the same thing that I do when I'm sitting on the cushion of like focusing on my breath when I'm sitting. And then if I'm doing that wherever I am, then I'm like, Oh, that's what that is. And it's kind of like remembering the same thing. Um, And for me, a lot of, um, uh, my practice is really uh, physical and anything that allows me to reconnect my brain to any physical action. Um, so like when I'm doing yoga or something, for example, um, is a really good um, exercise, obviously for yoga, but then also like to um, kind of make sure that my brain and my body are connected and that they're, they're one. And um, it, it helps kind of stop the, the cycle of thoughts a bit. Um, or kind of quiet them down. So I always try to do a stretch or um, some kind of like physical activity um, is something that always helps me um, just simply because it reconnects everything and um, kind of brings me back to the present and whatever that is that I'm doing. Yeah, I tend to go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, just following up 
on what Mike said. Um, uh, I, ca I can't say where exactly he says this, but I recall years ago having read Gary Snyder talking about uh, one breath zazen, just, you know, in the course of your activities, you know, it, just taking a moment and attending to a, a breath. Of course, there, as Ashley was saying, the trick is to, to, to try to uh, remember to do that, you know, which is something that could become a practice, I suppose, in its own right. But it is available to you, um, I would think so. A very good idea, and thank you for sharing that. I just did that one minute zazen. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just to add to what has been said, in some ways the point of sitting meditation is, is about when you get up from sitting meditation. Uh, so as, as people have been saying, it, it's a, this is a physical practice. And when you realize that you're caught up in you know, as Ashley was saying, and your mind is caught up in something or whatever, just to stop and take one breath or two or three breaths and, and uh, just to feel zazen, whatever you're doing, standing or walking. Or, uh, and there are things you can do as triggers, like whenever you walk through a door or whenever you hear a, a telephone ring, or you, know, you can use that as a signal. Oh, yeah, stop and take a couple of breaths. Uh, so anyway, that's to bring that into uh, everyday activity is the, is really the point in a lot of ways. I think Wade had something. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I just remember hearing on the same topic. I remember I found a talk in the archives from one of the one of the really early talks, and I don't remember who was giving the talk. <laughs> Uh, but the entire talk was was about this: is how do we have these these mindfulness triggers in our everyday life? And so this this man was specifically talking about his um, job at an office and how he brings that into his office setting. Um, and you know, like walking a certain pattern, or um, he had a little statue on his desk, and every time he happened, his eyes happened to cross it, he would take a take a breath, which is something that I did back when I was going into my office. I had a tiny little owl. And every time I looked at it, I'm like, ah, okay, stop. Remember my practice, take a breath, move on. Um, you know, which is, which is uh, gathas, right? Those small little chants that um, priests in Japan and I assume elsewhere have been doing forever uh, for, for daily activities. Um, just to help you remember practice while brushing your teeth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, it might have been in that Dharma talk, someone was talking about how at Shambhala, uh, the, the publishing company, they used to, they used to, everyone would stop when the phone would ring. That was, a, that was a parallax press when I was working there. Thank you. Yeah. My, my apologies. Yeah. Um, when you heard the phone ring, everyone stopped what they were doing to just like take a few breaths um, and never pick up the phone on the first ring. Uh, so I thought I, I can tell the story better than I, but I found, I find that like really interesting, these creative ways that people weave practice into their lives. I mean, 
Amina. I was just going to say that um, there's someone kind of in my larger life that um, I think we kind of we get on each other's nerves so we can easily get irritated. And so, um, and then I often want to say something about that person to like my husband. <laughs> and, like, so I've been doing this thing where if I have that feeling, I have this flower essence. Um, and instead of like saying it, I just put a, like some flower essence under my tongue. Like I literally like put something in my mouth to stop myself from like saying something with my mouth that I shouldn't, that I should stop saying, but it's, it's kind of become that kind of moment, you know, where it, I, it, it becomes a little bit of a meditative moment, you know, or, or just a moment to sort of, you know, stop and be in this other space, but it's kind of helping, which is good. <laughs>